yeah, Sam, so he talked to the concept of context a little bit there without saying the word explicitly. Um, can I double on the fact that it's great to have a Bible open uh, when you're trying to listen, having the context around of what I'm talking about, um, I, I highly encourage that. So having a Bible in front of you, now's a good time to grab one if you don't have one already. Um, my name is Tom. Uh, if I don't know you, I, I don't know a number of people here, so I apologize for that. Uh, but I think I'm going to pray again just to mostly settle my own nerves, <laughs> and then we'll begin this talk. So let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you would soften our hearts in a way that, that leads to understanding um, and, and a love towards you. Amen. All right. Well, let's jump right in. Uh, we are, in fact, looking at the Ten Commandments tonight, if you didn't figure that out already. Uh, and I want to help you out by planting a few seeds of thought, um, f the first of which is the big idea for tonight. I'm going to give it to you for free right off the bat. Uh, that is that God's people are chosen to be holy. I'm going to say that a number of times, and I, I assume it's going to come up a number of times on the screen behind me, so you can count along if you like. Uh, the second seed of thought, and I guess it's, it's a, a clarification, um, on what it actually means to be holy. I said the word holy in that sentence before. For our purposes, I'd say it just means to be set apart, um, specifically in the way that we are called to be different from the world around us um, by relating to God and seeking to be like Jesus. That's all it is. To be set apart in a way that is, that is righteous, pursuing righteousness. Um, uh, I want to also preface, and a lot of prefacing going on here, I want to preface the rest of the talk as well with the fact that we're going to be looking at uh, two distinct groups of what you describe as God's people. Um, we have God's people then, I'm going to say God's people then, uh, as in the people in Exodus, the Old Testament, um, pre-Jesus' death and resurrection, and then we have God's people now. So on this side of the cross, on this side of Jesus' death and resurrection um, so those of us who, as Paul tells us in Romans, have confessed with our uh, mouths that Jesus is Lord and believed in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. That's God's people now. Um, so God's people then and now, spoiler alert, both very much God's people, uh, all chosen by God to be holy. There's number two. We'll, revi we'll revisit that later. But for right now, uh, and that was a lot right off the bat, I recognize that. I'm going to ask something of you guys. Uh, I'm doing a lot of talking. So a bit of an active response, uh, I guess. On my count, and I'm going to count down three, two, one. Can I get your best yee-haw in the Americanist accent you can muster in if you've even heard of the Ten Commandments? Hello, bar. I literally said it two minutes ago. So your best yee-haw, the Americanist accent in three, two, one. That was good. Distinctly Texan from across the board. Very good. Uh, and of those who gave me yeehaw, which I think was all of you, give me your best yeehaw in a British accent. If you would agree with me, if you would agree with me that the Ten Commandments has a list of God's commands to his people. Another pretty low bar, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, okay, ready? British accent. Three, two, one. It still kind of sounded American, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it doesn't quite work, does it? It doesn't work. That's okay. There's some words that are distinctly American. 
All right, well, well as we look uh, through the Ten Commandments, and again, I encourage you to have them open in front of you. As we look through the Ten Commandments and surrounding chapters tonight, uh, I want you to understand that, that there is a purpose um, even greater than simply reading a list of God's commands to His people regarding, um, you could say, some, some good ways to live. There's more to it than that. Um, it's really exciting, I think, that, that we've spent this term making our way through Exodus together because I think it's equipped us to understand better the context. I've used that word a few times already. Context of the Ten Commandments as they're delivered by God to His people. So let's begin uh, by recounting a bit of this context that we've discovered. Um, Sam alluded to a little bit before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recount a lot of Exodus in, in just a couple minutes. Let's go. Well, you know that God's people, the Israelites, were slaves in Egypt, uh, forced to work under Pharaoh. We know that the plagues happened, and then the exodus, the big exit, has also happened, uh, that God has rescued his people from Egypt, destroying Pharaoh and his armies in the process. And we know that from last week that after this exodus, there's been a bit of a grumbling. Um, I asked the boys in my response group to give me their best grumble last week, and I don't even know if they know what a grumble is because they produced all sorts of different noises. So I'm going to ask you now as a collective to give me your best grumble. Are we ready? In three, two, one. I think that was better. That was better. That was actually resembling a grumble. Um, so yeah, that, that grumbling, uh, that tension between God and his people. And, and Moses is just there doing his best to be a mediator. Um, so the basic overview following this is that God continues to provide for his people. That is a resounding theme, not just throughout Exodus, but the entire Old Testament. Um, in chapter 17, which we didn't explicitly read last week, we know that the Am- Amalekites, a tricky one to pronounce, attack the Israelites, but God, through Moses and Joshua's armies, defeats them. Uh, we then find ourselves at Mount Sinai, which is what we're going to be looking at today, the location of the delivery of the Ten Commandments. All right, so God then calls Moses up to the mountain in chapter, chapter 19 and says this to him. And I think this is really important to note. He says in verse 4, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession." Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. There's that word again, holy, that set-apart word. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So we see God uh, reminding his people through Moses that he saves. uh, And that his people, I'm saying it again, his people are chosen to be holy. I think that might be number three or four, I'm not sure. Um, The opening verses of chapter 20 that follow this where the Ten Commandments are delivered, this is chapter 20, um, it's just God alluding to, to all this context that we've heard of and, and we now know. Um, his proven faithfulness to the Israelites, His people, He says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. What a way to start a speech to His people. He says, I'll say it again, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. If that isn't a call to listen, I I don't know what is. Um, 
it's pretty much the most epic way that you could say, I just saved your butts, and you should listen to what I'm about to say. Uh, so at this point, this is, this is the point in which God reveals the Ten Commandments. Uh, I'm not going to read them out in their full detail, but I'd encourage you to do that in your response groups maybe later. Um, but what I will say is that there, there's a distinct separation, um, perhaps two categories that you could break them down into, these Ten Commandments. The first four being ways in which the Israelites were to relate to God. And then the second six, how they should relate to one another. I'll read you a, a bit of an abbreviated version now, actually. Let's go through the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any false idols. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. There's the first four. Now the back six. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything that belongs to your neighbor. God's given the Israelites an impossible task here, I would say. They were, in fact, human, as I understand, which means, of course, that they would go on to sin and break these, these commands in various ways. Um, but the commands from God had to demand perfection. They had to, because God himself is perfect. His demands had to be perfect. Now, what I think all these boil down to is God commanding a response from his people. There needs to be a response here. The Israel, from the Israelites. Time after time, he has proven that he is holy and that he saves. God calls the Israelites to obey these commands, not in order to become his people, but because they have been chosen by God and this is how they should respond. I'm going to say that again because I think it's really important. So listen up. I'm going to say it again. God calls the Israelites to obey these commands, not in order to become his people, but because they've been chosen by God, and this is how they should respond. There's that main point again. I've lost count at this point. God's people are chosen to be holy. I think this is actually where we find our bridge to this idea of, of God's people now. I introduced that earlier. God's people now, so this side of the cross. Um, because the same can be said of us, I think, that we... God's people are chosen to be holy. So what does this look like for us now? Well, I think the same can be said of the impossible task that's ahead of us. Um, to approach God as sinful, which we are, is to be in direct opposition of God, because He's perfect. Like the people of Exodus, we cannot, through our own merit, earn the favor of God. It's just not possible. There has to be an intermediary a way for us to be saved from sin and made holy. For the people of Exodus, it was covenant, law, and animal sacrifice. And yet a better sacrifice was still needed. For us, we have Jesus. The perfect lamb has indeed come. Hebrews 10 is so abundantly clear. And I wish I could just read it out in entirety because it's a beautiful chapter of the Bible. But you'd probably be sick of my voice even more than you might already be. So I'll just read a little bit of an excerpt now, and then I'm going to read some more later. Uh, first he said, uh, 
And Jesus says this following, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Folks, through a saving relationship with God, through Jesus' death on the cross, then resurrection on the third day, we have been made alive, made holy. I'm just going to finish with this encouragement from, from Hebrews 10. It's a, bit, a little bit later in Hebrews 10. Um, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So if you've been saved by Jesus, draw near to him and one another. Pursue doing good things because God, who is perfect and holy, has saved us through his Son. What a motivation that is. I'm going to pray that we would do these things. And then we're going to go to our response groups. Heavenly Father, I pray again as we've we've read in in Hebrews 10 that, that we would draw near to you, regardless of where we are in our hearts, that we would recognize that you are here to make us holy you're here to, you have saved us and you give this opportunity to repent to you i pray that we would do these things tonight and every day as we live our life amen <laughs>